Welcome back to the One Week Podcast, everybody. I'm Jonas. I'm Matthew. And this week we are talking about the 1993 album Spilt Milk by the band Jellyfish. Um, I selected this album because last week we talked about the spiritualized record and Matthew gave a lot of background of the context of that record in the 90s and where it was kind of situated, which in the moment inspired me to pick this album, which I had been asked to pick by my uncle like months and months ago, and I forgot about it, but that that instance reminded me of it. Uh, It reminded me of it because uh, I've known about Jellyfish since I was very young. They released two albums in the 90s, one in 1990 and then Spilt Milk in 93, and then they uh, they broke up not long after that. And the main reason they broke up... Well, I mean, I guess the main reason I, I think was just uh, problems between members of the band. But a big part of it was their lack of mainstream success due to the overwhelming popularity and ever-growing popularity of grunge in the 90s. Um, and this is a well-documented fact. I don't. Uh, Jellyfish is, has this weird, like, phenomena of having a very well-documented history, even though being a relatively unknown band. Um, but the the main the main guy, uh, Andy Sturmer, who, by the way, is lead vocals for most songs and the drummer, which is very interesting to me. Wow. And, and like, it's cool to see, like, during live performances, yeah, he's drumming and singing, which I, I, I don't know that I can think of any other examples of that. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I don't know them. Um, but he's talked about how I think that the band felt slighted in, in a lot of ways because they were critically very, very well received, but they never got any type of broader attention because they just were making a sound that was not like comparatively marketable at the time it wasn't that they sounded weird or too out there but it's just nobody was looking for that sound at that time and they have plenty of songs that um kind of reflect that without saying it outright on this record i think of ghost at number one which we'll get into uh but like the 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 two main guys, uh, Andy Sturmer and Roger Manning, they both continued to do music stuff after Jellyfish, but it was all mostly production. I like they they didn't go on to do other bands, I don't think, and if they did, they didn't grow to any popularity above Jellyfish. Um, but I think that that's a. Uh, I think the the whole grunge movement is always going to be very strange to me just because it's like, it's the one time that had I been like a teenager at, at that time that the music I would have been listening to would have been super popular and that's how it was for like my dad and everything. Um, so it's, it's, it's weird to have a, a band like this get beat out by something else that I still like. And have have like the, nobody knows jellyfish and and nope. <laughs> I look at the spilt milk album cover and the belly button album cover, and I think um, those two album covers are a perfect 
representation of album covers that you are thumbing through different records at a store and they are album covers that would catch your eye and then you'd immediately keep flipping through them because you're like never heard of that band don't care mm-hmm. like do you know what i'm talking about there are records no that i get what you're saying yeah, there's like, a few that i'll just like pick up and be like interesting cover and then put it back down. yeah that's exactly what they look like to me it's just by pure coincidence i know what this band is and i really like them i think both of their records are very good um which then makes me think what if what if all the records that i pick up and put back down in record stores and immediately dismiss how many of those are also really good no need to think about that yeah i know that's like never a good way to think about it because <laughs> there's too much music you're gonna miss good music it yeah. happens um but we didn't miss jellyfish so now we we can talk about it yeah I, i've provided some context um so yeah jellyfish san francisco band early 90s not grunge rock they were like like power pop like a, like like a little bit of psychedelic rock but mostly like power pop um I like they remind me not like too much but they, they I think they're clearly inspired by a lot of like Queen and stuff like that. There's a lot of Yeah, I felt like they they owed a lot of their ideas to Queen. They might have um changed them up a bit, but like the the random like quartet vocals mm-hmm. and the choruses and like the very sharp leads it was very Queen to me. And yeah. then there was also there's like a there's a Beatles influence there, mm-hmm. but like every band's influenced by the Beatles, so I don't know. <laughs> and then there's like a little bit of Beach Boys, just a little bit, yeah. but it's there. And um, it felt like this album owed a lot to its influences. Yeah, but you know, all bands owe a lot to their influences. Yeah, I mean, Ghost at Number One to bring it up again. The bridge is like a Beach Boys homage. So yeah, yeah there's a lot. There's there's plenty of that there. Mm-hmm. Um, this album in particular, it's not a concept album, but it is intended to like, the idea is it all takes place over the span of one night. There's a lot of like references in each song to like a specific part of the night. Um, and, and Sturmer has said like, yeah, it's supposed to be like, not like vignettes cause they're not all a bunch of different stories, but the idea is it's like all of there's a lot of stuff always happening at once, and this all happens over the course of a night. Um, and it's it's heavily tied to, like, the perversion of Christianity um, and how, like, there's a lot of talk about the hypocrisy of, uh, like, televangelists and Christians who get an exorbitant amount of wealth through, like, preaching and... Uh, stuff like that and I think they handle it very well it's not um it's not like blatantly critical in in like a dismissive way it's it's like well look at the things that are going on uh in certain parts of the religious community and how it's um a lot of it's hypocritical or some of it's like people taking advantage of those who are serious about their faith um so yeah we can get into the music now (laughs) um yeah i mean i i enjoy the the variety on display i think first and foremost um 
and it felt very like alt rock. Um, joining a fan club, I got like Weezer. Even though this probably came out before the Blue Album, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I got very like Weezer vibes off of that, just because of like the chorus with like those power chords and all that. Um, but then it, it'll switch up a lot. Like it's not all just like that kind of like electronic alt rock sound. Like um, New Mistake has like a hundred different like passages on it which i think can hamper it a little bit because like it doesn't really feel cohesive they're like oh we'll throw this kind of percussion here and then we'll put this like accordion or whatever here i don't know it just feels like they're throwing it in for the sake of throwing it in but um the underlying melodies are usually pretty good it can just kind of take away from it a little bit when like the because the, my, my main problem with this whole thing is that the instruments are obviously, like, electronic. Because, like, I looked it up and, like, the, the only personnel on the album is just the four guys. There's not... They didn't bring on, like, the accordion or the tuba or the whatever. And it feels like... Like, they're, it's... This, like, whole album is just, like, summer songs. But, like, really bright. Like, absurd. Almost absurd to the point it feels like a parody but I don't catch like whiffs of it being like a joke. It just feels like that was their intention. Mm-hmm. And everything is just so like sharp and sugary. And sometimes it works. Like I think on um, Russian Hill, even though it's a more like melancholy, at least melancholy relatively yeah. to the rest. Um, I think that song works with its brightness. Um but songs like, oh, I don't know, Sabrina, Paste, and Plato, I think, kind of suffer from the brightness a little bit. Mm. And, you know, if that's what they were trying to do, good for them. Um, and, yeah, I don't feel like they unintentionally were doing that. It feels very intentional with how, like, crisp and clean everything sounds. But for me, I think that kind of hampers the musical experience in a way but that's a very nitpicky thing yeah i i i going back through this record years and years after i first heard it there's songs i completely forgot about but the songs (laughs) that i i have heard periodically from the time i was young to now are joining a fan club sabrina pace and plato new mistake ghost at number one and brighter day those five tracks have been they've come up enough and stuck with me enough but everything else i it was a big like oh yeah i forgot about this um i will say sabrina paste and plato love that song no idea what it's talking about or what it's doing on this record <laughs> which i would have never considered in, uh, until like going back through it but the rest of this record feels very like thematically succinct to me I tried. I have no idea what that song is talking about or doing. Um, I still like it. I yeah. still I still think it's a fun song, and I get what you're saying, that, yeah, it's it's out there, because I don't understand it. I don't <laughs> understand it at all, um, but it's a fun song. I like it. Uh, Chesney's looking dapper in his brand new dunce cap. It has always made me laugh. Uh, I think that's a funny line. Yeah, no, I there like none of the songs are bad. Explicitly, they have their moments. All of them. Um, I can't remember which specific song. One of them turns into like like a Russian folk thing with like a bouncing tuba line and like haze in the background. I cannot remember what it is. But Isn't it 
brighter day like at the end yeah yeah i really like that song i think it's it, such a good closing track i really liked how it how it did that and it was it was kind of out of left field because everything before was like super bright but then mm-hmm. that kind of has a very like minor key type of passage on it no i don't think it's the closure because i remember happening it might be bye 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 um it's got like the bouncing tuba line it's got like the accordion on it you know it's yeah. very um it, it reminded me of that scene in elf where um <laughs> will ferrell is doing like the the dances on the table with all like the mailroom dudes um but on its face it's, it's still like a good song yeah but um, I thought that was interesting, and it, it's definitely a unique moment on the whole record because it's just like a like a straight kind of not very in your face passage mm-hmm. at the end, um, which I thought was a nice change of pace from the pr- preceding songs um, leading up to that. Yeah, um, I, I want to talk about a couple of the tracks specifically like the themes they cover and why they work for me um ghost at number one i think is a near perfect track um i think there's a couple of near perfect tracks probably heavily carried by nostalgia for me um but i love ghost at number one and i always have and it's remained possibly increasingly relevant for me in terms of the themes because it's about a dead artist who reaches number one on the charts because they died. Yeah. Um, and this song feels very self-referential to their own career in a way. Even though this song came out before Kurt Cobain died and before Nevermind came out, I believe, um, it still feels very, like, understanding of, like, these guys, like... They aren't. They don't have like rock star personas, and I think maybe they could have had they grown in popularity. But even like on like Russian Hill, that song is about. Um, it's about like the opulence of uh, religious leaders who have used their money for their own benefit rather than like what they preach about. Um, but that song comes from Andy Sturmer having. A house on Russian Hill, I think, is, like, the literal place. And he, like, was paying too much for it compared to the amount of time he was spending there. So he gave it up. Um, so I, I, I say that to say, like, they, I think they lived fairly modestly. And a song like Ghost at Number One is drawing attention to those who maybe didn't or got a lot of attention and it messed with them, people like Kurt Cobain. And then they kill themselves or OD, and then a bunch of people flock to their fan base and act like they were, you know, day ones and like, oh, I'm so sad that they died. Um, and that song has always been interesting to me because, you know, coming up through high school, you and I both listen to almost exclusively hip hop. And that happens it's a huge thing all the time in hip-hop. All the time. And I've been guilty of that, too. When Mac Miller died, I was like, well, I gotta go listen to a lot of Mac Miller now. And I don't know why. Like, it's 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 weird, and it's gross, and it makes me angry. I, don't, I never liked it, but um, I just have noticed 
um, that verses from artists that died like three, four years ago will still be showing up on tracks on new albums like the new Kanye album has mm-hmm. got a pop smoke. Yeah. Um, the new Trippy Red album, teaser. Oh, okay. Um, has an X feature Ow. and a Juice World feature. Um, I don't know how long either they've just been holding on to that song for years, or they were just like, "Hey, X X X Tentacion Estate." Can we get a verse, please? And we'll make a song around it. It just... It feels very wrong. Especially in the case of X. That that was really bad. It's been handled poorly and it will continue to be handled poorly. It's probably poorly. the worst I've ever seen. It's of just... so... It's like they exploit him. So His yeah. mother! His mom. Because, like, you know, you're not in your son's life. Yeah. And then he makes a ton of money and then he dies... And you're like, hmm, he has a ton of half-baked songs in the hard drive. Let's just put them out. And they'll make money every time. Um, So, yeah, you could call this song kind of a a prophecy in a way. Because I don't think it's ever been this bad. No. Especially in the age of, like, streaming and stuff. Like, the idea of the 27 Club, I don't know when that originated. But I feel like like if it didn't originate, it it definitely got popular in the 90s, right? Yeah, I thought it was a whole, like early yeah british bands like yeah and and like that's remained relevant and like the idea of people wanting to imitate like rock star lifestyle is like that's a huge thing in hip-hop now and and we say all of that to say that's why ghost at number one feels it's remained very relevant and it's one of jellyfish's like biggest songs and i don't think that's because a lot of people are going back and listening to it, but like fans of Jellyfish have always known that that's a very good song on their part, and it is. It's a great track. Mm-hmm. Um, new mistake. Love that track. Yeah, I love that track. It's so good. I if it's I so if good. I turn my brain off and don't really listen too closely, it's fun because it's like kind of crazy and there's mm-hmm. stuff happening all throughout. But when I turn my loser song analysis brain on, I'm like, they. I think they tried to do too much here, and it kind of ruined the cohesion of the track. And not a, a song doesn't have to be cohesive. This is just a personal taste kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um. I don't. I, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. It just. It just feels a little like too wild out there. And there are plenty of bands that I like to do this kind of stuff, like Death Grips. They kind of do stuff like this, but they're they. They're they're obviously like making fun of hip hop and making fun of like super industrial sounds, um, but this this doesn't really have that feeling, so I don't know. It doesn't work as well for me. But um, it still has elements I like. I like the chorus. I think it's very catchy. I think there's a lot of catchy moments all over this whole thing. I think yeah. that was their goal. It's a very catchy record because it's a it's a pop album. Yeah. So and that's catchy. I think that's a, another part of why I like New Mistakes so much is it's a very jellyfish song, and that doesn't probably mean anything to you because you aren't well, a jellyfish I mean, fan. After hearing this, I, I get that. Yeah, you know, but like only jellyfish yeah. can make that kind of song. Yeah, I think between their two records. Personally, I think New Mistake is the most Jellyfish song. I think Brighter Day is up there. That's a very them song. Like, like I, 
I, when I think of jellyfish, I think of like carnival. I think of like <laughs> weird, like drug fueled carnival. That's like what I think yeah. of, and br- that's what Brighter Day is for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think No Mistake is is the most jellyfish song there is, and I, that's I think why I love it so much. Yeah, I am. Um... I couldn't sink my teeth too much into this record because I've been really busy this week. Um, We've had a couple of busy weeks. But um, I tried to listen to it either like in the car or just sitting in my bed. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't really look too much into the lyrics and I got like three listens in. So um, this is just kind of gut. I listen to this record here. a lot. I I, yeah, I like more time I was like, oh, I, I don't need to listen to it that much because I'm more familiar with it. I still went back listened to it like seven or eight times because it's I just enjoy it. It's just a good record. Yeah. And uh, you know how um, for the longest time, Death Consciousness was my white whale vinyl. Um, well, I got it. I own it now. We got it. Um, and I've been like, well, I need to have a new white whale. I think it's probably going to be Jellyfish, because I don't know where I'm ever going to find that. I know it's possible, though, because my uncle has, I think, both Belly Button and Spilt Milk on vinyl, but I don't know where he got them from. But that means it, is, it has been pressed at you some point in time. You have to peruse them used sections. Or what are they called at record stores? Previously Loved? Yeah, I might, have, might have to. look through yeah. those. Um, I talked about Russian Hill briefly. Russian Hill was easily the most, like oh, how did I not remember this moment for me on the record? I think that's one of the best tracks on this record, and I haven't heard it since I was, like, nine. Um, but I think that's a phenomenal song. Yeah, I really like the washed-out guitars. I really like the chord progression. I really like the singing. Um, I It's really good. I like I like pretty much everything about it. I didn't look super into lyrics, but since you explained it, yeah. now I know. It's about... I like... <laughs> It was the 90s, so televangelism was a lot more recent of a thing. Like, we all, as a society, have grown to realize how terrible televangelism is now. But, like, yeah, that was a lot of the criticism on this record is about televangelists and that song in particular. Um, and, yeah, I, it, it, I think it's a beautiful song. I think it, it it's great. Nice. Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, I mean, like, I, I'll touch on it briefly again. Brighter Day is one of my favorite closing tracks of all time. I think it's I think it's a great, great song. Also, one of the first songs that I ever heard that was, like, long, which I put in quotation marks because those standards have been violently readjusted for me at this point in my life. But, like, when I'm a kid, we I was like six minutes. Our, our what do you mean five, six, six minutes? minutes. And, but I was even as a young kid, I was like, no, this is good all the way through, and I don't want to skip any of it. Um, so I'll call that uh, laying the groundwork for years down the road. My my first long song was uh, "Runaway" by Kanye West, and I don't really like that song. <laughs> so what can you do? Yeah. For me, it was it was Brighter Day by Jellyfish and Freedom by George Michael. Those are two long songs. <laughs> Still great. Still like Bangers. both of those songs. Um, I got nothing else. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like we've covered it. I really enjoyed revisiting this record. I've done a lot of that this year of, like, seeking out specific records that I only remember a couple of songs from when I was younger. Um, 
and I don't think any of them have had as much success in staying good to me as this record has. I revisited um, that Long Winters album not too long ago. I, I revisited that in like June, which I guess is kind of long ago now. But I, I listened to that and I was like, man, I just don't really care about this except for the couple of songs that I remember. Um, and uh, what else have I done it for? I've done it for, uh, oh, I did the Alt-J record, An Awesome Wave. Don't care about much of that record besides like two, three tracks, you know. And and that's that's fine. If you have a couple of really good tracks on your record, good for you. But I, I just, I enjoy this thing pretty much all the way through. I really like it. It's not perfect, um, but it's got enough songs that are nostalgia-driven for me, but I think still hold up musically and thematically. Um so those are my those are my closing thoughts, I guess. It's my favorite track, closing. New Mistake. Love that track. <laughs> I will always love that track. And for grade, um, I think I'm sitting at an A minus. I really like this record. Yep. I've been I've been I've been aiming high with a lot of these grades lately, but whatever. No it doesn't. No, these the grades don't mean anything. True. Um, yeah. Overall, um, it didn't blow me away, but I was very impressed with a lot of like the the ideas present um i think that the the songwriting knows how to be catchy i think that the vocalist is good i think he has a very unique and strong voice uh kind of sucks that we'll never like hear another jellyfish thing true ever again because i'd be interested because i see a lot of potential here but it was like 20 years ago so it's like no, 30, 30 years, years ago. ago god it's 2021 20, <laughs> <laughs> So we won't really ever hear them maybe where they could have been, yeah. which kind of blows. But the Jellyfish reunion tour in order. We're going to have to like make a GoFundMe for that one. Yeah. Guys, uh, sign our petition.org. Is that what the website's called? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but um, it had a couple issues for me that I couldn't really look past completely. So um, probably for me, just like a... A B, solid B. I can respect that. Alrighty, alrighty. What are we listening to next week, even though you already told us? So next week, uh, about two weeks ago, a new Trippy Red album dropped. Um, I've always been, I wouldn't say a fan, but a, a, I've kept up with Trippy Red over the years. I, this news to me, I've never, um, I've never. Well, whenever there's that. a new Trippy Red release, either I'll listen to it or I'll just check out what people are saying about mm -hmm. it, because. There's a few Trippy Red songs that I just love, 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 love. Such as? Um, there's Dark Knight Dumbo. <laughs> I really like um, Taking a Walk Off Life's a Trip, which yeah. is his studio debut. Yeah. And I can't remember a few, the specific songs, but um, Love Letter to You 3, his mixtape. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's actually a very solid project. So, um, his new album, Trip at Night, that's night with a K, not with an N. Don't mix that up. Um, came out, I think, August 21st, and, um, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Cool. I have not listened to a Trippy Red album since this first one, so I'm curious. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week.